if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. All right, listeners of That Sex Chick, I know that this conversation is going to be juicy as fuck. We're going to cover a lot of topics, and I love having professionals of all sorts on this show, people that I respect and I admire that work in this field of sex, love, and relationships, like I said, professionally, that like maybe I know their work, but I don't maybe know them personally, and that provides a certain type of conversation that... I love presenting to all of you. And I've realized since the start of the show, since the release of the show, some of my favorite shows and some of the most well-received episodes that I have launched have been with people that I know really well. So someone Mm -hmm. like Jordan or someone like Bryn or some of my best friends. And so I'm really excited for this particular conversation because I'm going to have a convo with another one of my friends who happens to be a really incredible coach in her own right, who has just gone through one of the most remarkable phases of life and development. And it has a lot to do with her sexuality. And I just loved hearing all of the new exciting pieces of information that she was going and excavating and discovering in her own life and just how it all played out. Um, I'm, I told her not that long ago, and she's actually sitting right in front of me. So I'm going to talk about her like she's not here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But you, Hannah, you just like went through this 
this like breakup and then into this, you know, personal self-discovery and probably a little bit of the, who am I now post this breakout breakup and what do I want to do with life? And then all of a sudden, bam, there's this like sexual piece to it. And, um, I've just enjoyed being a witness to your journey and your expression and your exploration. And I know that there were some super true and super raw and real pieces to, and relatable pieces to your recent unfolding that I know our listeners would really benefit from hearing. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I'm so excited to be here and so excited to share. I have just admired you so much, uh, just in our friendship and in the way that you carry yourself professionally. And I'm so excited to be able to be in this new space with you, this little like fun podcast, kind of semi-professional, but also we're friends space. And it's going to be really fun. And I'm also so excited to share anything that I have that can be of service to your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that the way that you articulate the things that you have gone through, even when, even at the times when you were in the shit, whatever the shit looked like, your ability to articulate and to zoom out and have a next level amount of self-awareness, so remarkable. So I know that this is going to be beneficial on and very entertaining on so many levels. So Yay. first and foremost, who is Hannah Deindorfer? And I have in parentheses here, Bryn wanted me to mention the kinky raccoon, according to your recent email. So I don't know where you come to identifying terms of kinky raccoon, but. I, I would identify as a kinky raccoon. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would identify as um, a magical fairy godmother for my clients. I'm a business coach slash personal development slash moving into sex and relationship coaching. So I just identify as a fairy godmother for my coaches. And also as a sub, I am a self-colored sub at the moment. And um, I also identify as bisexual. I identify as a little fairy princess redhead baby person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that, that covers most of the bases. <laughs> yes. And you're one of my friends here in Austin. Is there anything else identifiable? She likes tattoos. She likes to lift weights. Yeah. Yep. I'm into fitness. I've, I don't think I said that I was a redhead, but that's definitely one of the most identifying qualities of me. Yes. So. Yes. And it's funny because I have two redhead Hannah friends. One's in California mm -hmm. and you're the other one. And anytime I say redheaded Hannah, I have to then identify like there's more than one redhead Hannah. Anyway. So, so wait, what's the, what's the next identifier for me? For you? Yeah. I think you've got them all sweet, submissive kitten. Oh, there's cute. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, in the, I would identify myself. I would identify myself. What I love about the, um, the conversation of like how I would identify myself is how I would identify myself right now, how mm -hmm. I would identify myself right now versus how I was identifying six months ago or how yes. I will probably identify in the not too distant future. Should some of those kinky fantasies actually become an actuality, like I might act them out and then I might identify myself as something a little bit different um, later down the line. Um, so I, I like that you're playing around with that. Like, who am I and what is my, what is my today expression? Totally. I, I think that's valuable for anyone is to yeah. know that that's fluid and flexible and that it's supposed to change and you don't, you can like say you're one way and then tomorrow you can decide to be different and it's totally fine. Absolutely. Um, I would also identify you as a pretty prancer. <laughs> yes, I prance. I do prance. 
I love to dance also, yes. never not dancing. And a shuffler. Yes. A shuffle. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So there I love you tutus. <laughs> she loves tutus. So there's, there's Hannah with a bow. And we might add some things into the package that's underneath the bow as the conversation mm-hmm. goes on. So some of those identifiers, of course, have a bit of an orientation or a sexual preference attached to them, or they were, um, if you crack them open, they are explicitly about your sexuality. So I'm curious, how would you, how you would describe your sexuality at this point? My sexuality at this point has become a way for me to discover myself as a person and practice my communication skills and practice my relating skills. And it's a piece of me that I get to meet in other people as well as when I'm by myself. And if we're going to describe it more tangibly, my sexuality is this charged, juicy gift that I am currently in the process of unwrapping and discovering. And every single day I get to find out something new about myself in that. So Mm. I hope that's a makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's in flux. Mm -hmm. It's it's developing. It's one of those things that like, I hope I never really truly have it figured out because the the fun is in the ever unfolding rose. That is the sexual creature of of Alexa, of any person. So good. So you didn't always know these aspects of your sexuality and maybe you wouldn't have always described this your sexual self in this way, I would say it's within the last year or so, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, my relationship to my sex has been tumultuous to say the least. Um, do you want to, do you want some backstory? That's where I was going. Yeah. Yeah, A little bit like the leading up to, so the question of like, how did you discover this stuff in yourself? You know, it, it usually starts, the story starts with the contrast, like the total opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did have the total opposite and, um, I'm going to go like way back to the beginning. And like, I was the first one of my friends to hit hit puberty. So I had my period when I was 11 and I, my body was changing before everyone else. I was starting to be interested in boys before anyone else. And then I was chubby and uncomfortable in my body and sex and like, putting myself out there as a sexual being started to get me attention that I desperately wanted. However, my first sexual experience, my first actual sex with a person, with a man was non-consensual. And so that experience kicked off a three-year abusive relationship, which was my first romantic partnership when I was 13 to 16 years old with a, with a man that was a few years older than me. And so my introduction into my sexuality was really, really unpleasant in a lot of ways. And I used it as this tool for getting affection and getting attention. And that was a thing that continued to persist in me, even after that relationship ended. And Um, I was so disconnected from what I wanted. It was highly performative. It was just this thing that I could do to make men like me and to validate that I was good and to experience some sense of okayness. Like if 
you are wanted and desired sexually, then you are valid as a person. And that was what I used sex for, for a really long time until probably like the last two years. Mm. I had a lot of that messaging too. Body equals worth. Yes. Like body is my value. And if it's being used, then that determines and how it's being used. And if it's not being used, Mm -hmm. equals value worth. Totally. And then throw in there as well. Um, my parents who had mental health issues. Plus once I went to college, I developed my own eating disorder. I was anorexic for a couple years, almost was hospitalized for that. And also had really severe depression to the point where I attempted suicide where I was 21. So we add in this mix of like desperate longing for validation plus these mental health issues, which were already inherent in my dormant in my DNA that just got activated. And then sex was just this melting pot of like all of my issues, like coming to a head. And even in my most healthy relationship, which was my most recent one, I still found myself not sexually fulfilled, not engaged in the way that I wanted to be sexually in that relationship. And the relationship was good. There was like not conflict, but it was still like the sexual piece was just not, didn't make sense. It just like, wasn't there for me. Right. So what was it like, uh, going on a healing journey? What was it? I mean, and (laughs) healing's not linear and it's all over the damn map for most people. It's up, (laughs) down, sideways, back, you know, take a, take a giant leap forward, take 27 and a half steps back, or it's not Mm -hmm. really backwards. It's all forwards, but you think you get the, the sentiment there and the feeling there, but deciding like, okay, all this stuff is present in my body. I'm sure that there was like a more or less breaking point or a breakdown that led to some of the breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I attempted suicide when I was 21, and that was eight years ago, I started going to therapy. And that for me was really powerful in starting to realize the ways in which I can manipulate my feelings with my mind. Um, and I learned so much about the way that my psychology works and the way that my identity is put together and really did quite a lot of internal processing and healing and and reasoning around a lot of the issues that I was having that resolved quite a lot of them externally. Mm -hmm. And I always knew that the biggest piece that was missing was the physical embodiment piece, the physical healing aspect of that healing journey. So like I got all my mind right. I got all this shit in my head, like mostly figured out, but then there was still this last little bit where I was like afraid to fully inhabit my body. I was afraid to like fully let all of that healing land. And once I opened that door and started doing somatic work and started opening up my sexuality and opening up healing through my sexuality with myself through spiritual tools and more sacred sexuality practices that for me, just like all of this pre-work that I had done with all the concepts and all the like intellectual stuff that I love, by the way, I'm like obsessed with that shit. It just went and like, I got it. Like it was just, so good. So <laughs> like orgasms are like the best healing tool I've ever found in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if anyone who's listening, that's ever had a crygasm, you know, where the orgasm leads <laughs> yes. to like, holy shit, where'd all the rest of that come from? Yes, You know, where you're like crying and laughing and sobbing and I hate you. I love you. All the things like, why am I thinking about mom right now? You know, <laughs> it's just like, where'd that come from? 
Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. You add that, add that inside of a cage. Right. Like, that's next level shit. That's, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that so, so much. And, um, you know, people in my community and people who spend a lot of time with me know that that's a lot of what I speak about so much is that you can do all this personal development and work on yourself, but there will come a time where you will have to address the elephant in the room because chances are it has turned into a big ass elephant by the time that you actually go, Oh, there's my sexuality over there. There's my sexual expression over there. You can do all the plant medicine and all the NLP and all the different, you know, body work and just all these different things. But then what about, it's not just about, it can be about having sex to procreate or having sex because it feels good or having sex because that determines some level of health in a relationship or something like that. But there's just so much more there than what is the typical, like you just do this thing in a committed partnership that's serial monogamous and Mm -hmm. all these things Mm -hmm. that that is the the basic minimal information that we are given, you know, my neck of the woods anyway. But this mm-hmm. is what sex yeah. is for and what it's and what it and what it means. And it's like, oh shit, there's so many aspects of who I am that is to be discovered going deep in and intentionally into that subject. Not just like that being a byproduct, but that being the focus. Yes. Having sex be the avenue through which I've now like I've taken all these tools and concepts that I've learned outside, like you said, NLP, all of the mindset shit, and just like shifted it, shifted the lens through which I'm viewing it, which is through my sexuality. And it, it just takes it from black and white to just like the most vivid color because there's so many areas of sex that are available to, to you as a person to develop and explore and like all these little like dark crevices and like shadow work and like kink stuff and like all of your little repressed shit that's like over here from mom and dad and all your inner child shit. And like, this is a perfect vehicle for you to figure that out. And it's fast and it's powerful. Oh yeah. It's so fast and powerful. And so I can imagine the people that you've worked with, the way that you worked with them as a coach, like I said, like a couple years ago, even to mm-hmm. putting this new lens into the mix. I'm sure that transformation and just, it, it's just exponentially um, affected in a positive way. I mean, just in the, if positive is the marker of like, you're moving forward on your journey, not that it's actually going to feel good because some no. of the, <laughs> some of the stuff that you navigate and deal with through the sexuality lens doesn't actually feel very good. Yeah. And that is the tantric way. <laughs> 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 and and the masochist sadist way too. Sure. I'm like a little bit of that too. Sure. So, you know. so now that you bring that up a little bit, so I would love to hear uh, specifically the transition from being in the relationship, the the healthiest relationship and that expression that you were in that transition from out of that relationship and realizing and recognizing that this wasn't the relationship that you wanted and desired. What did you feel like you were maybe missing or looking for um, mm-hmm. in that relationship that had you exit? And then what was that journey like picking up after that? Yeah. So again, for a little bit of context, my dad was bipolar. And when I was about 13 years old, I ended up in a caretaking role for him. And 
that became not, not necessarily by choice, but by necessity of the situation. So that became the model. Like he was my attachment figure. And then I took that model of like, Oh, this is how a relationship in love is supposed to be. Also, by the way, I can't trust a man to take care of me because they're going to end up having a psychotic break. And then I'm going to have to always be the one that shoulders the burden of the relationship and have it have my shit together. And so that pattern of course played out in my next several recurring relationships in different ways. And so I carried this into my most recent relationship and it looked like, um, we were a lot in a lot of ways, a good match for our sense of humor and our love of life. And we had a really lighthearted and loving relationship, but there was this undercurrent of, I have the power, I have the money, I am the Dom. And like, you can't leave me because you need me. And I set that up subconsciously because that was safe for me. However, underlying that there, there was this just like deep, deep, desperate feminine desire to be taken care of, like to just fucking relax And that also, that inability to like fully relax also manifested in our sex. And it's, it was a recurring theme for me throughout every sexual interaction that I've never had. I've never been able to relax. I've never been able to just like let someone else fucking take control and like take the reins and be secure and trust and know that I would be taken care of. And so I was both sexually and outside of the bedroom craving a dom, like craving someone to really fucking handle their shit and also be able to handle my own shit right. too sometimes. Right. right. So I noticed so, that you're saying that you did, you said you were craving a dom, not necessarily craving surrender. Do those things go hand in hand for you? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. What, um, submission and that power exchange means to me and what that relationship gets to be is a space for me to just (sighs) have this like, okay, I can take this burden that I bear of being a business person and being a coach and taking care of all of these people in my life and taking care of my family and taking care of myself all the time. And I can pick this up and I can just give this to you and you can hold it for a little while. And I can trust that you have it. And then I can just allow And I can just be in a space to receive and surrender and know that like, everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And up until I started exploring power play and BDSM and had my first relationship with my Dom, I never in my entire life experienced that feeling of subspace, but also surrender. Mm. So there's so many things that I could just like double click on. Uh, especially the, I'm just going to mention it and then we'll, we'll move on. Cause I want to hear more of the juicy, like actual story that happened, <laughs> but the way that you're describing it, because so many people, you know, I, I, I have a big community and I work with clients. Um, and then I have, we now have sex and love co where some of our coaches are working with clients that are members of our community and so on. And over years, I do use terms like BDSM, sadomasochism, bondage, dominance, submission, discipline. I use that language and I've just realized that for some people, it's a little bit too far. They feel like, oh, that 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 represents this dark um, Mm. stuff that they have no access to. 
Mm-hmm. And so I've now, I've started working with people that I'll say when I say BDSM, you know, cause sometimes people think, oh, that's just people reenacting their trauma or that's people who are hurting themselves or that's men specifically taking advantage of women specifically, or it's for mm-hmm. a certain type of submissive man that can't handle their shit on their own. And so they go see these really fucked up dominatrixes, you know, and, and <laughs> whatever. So they think a lot of these things and preconceived notions and all of that. And movies do a great job of painting these pictures for sure. But the, um, sometimes I'll work with them on changing the language. Okay, cool. So what language do you want in order to be able to describe these concepts and have me communicate these concepts where you're so open to, to hearing them. And we don't immediately go to a deep, dark place. And so recently I've had couples where I've just called the Dom, the leader and the sub, the follower. So who's leading and who's following here. And so it's lighter, Mm -hmm. it's softer than this Dom. And then you say Dom, and then you have to have a voice like this and you have to have leather and you have to have a riding crop in your hand and you know, boots and you have to be like ready to fuck shit up and, and, and inflict pain, you know? So I'm like, how about you're in soft white linen and you're the leader and you're in baby pink and you're the follower. Like I sometimes like I'll have, I'll say someone is creating the space and someone's enjoying the space. So I will Mm. throw out all of these different ways to talk about it and I'll go, cool, let's choose the one that resonates with you most. And, and, and then I'll go, now, just so you know, if I were to say BDSM, this is exactly what's happening in there. We just have these these other pieces of language. So it's like whatever we got to figure out to float your boat and be able to talk about what's your unique expression within this umbrella, because the umbrella is massive. So yes. it's like one of those like, oh, all sex means pretty much the same damn thing. And then you peel back the curtain you know, of like where kink and DS and all that is. And it's like, holy shit, there's a whole other <laughs> universe. There's a fucking circus show going on in oh here. Oh my God. So anyway, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing your language and I'm throwing some of these things out there because you're speaking about it in this like sweet, personal, delectable way. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that there's some listeners that are just like, that are like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm sure that I still have a handful that are like, I just don't get it. And so I wanted to take a Mm -hmm. moment and kind of like add some squishiness around it. Um, Now I would like to do a little zoom in on how you even discovered this about yourself. Yes, you knew things were missing. Yes, you understood certain things about that relationship. But in actually having your first DS experience, did you know it was going to be a DS experience? Uh no, not really. I didn't really know. Um, I was curious. I was like kink curious for a right. while before I had my first real DS experience. And I was looking at your stuff and I was like, I took Kenneth Play's course, which was amazing. And I did Omer Pawnee's Tantra Meets BDSM course. And so I had these understandings of how it might be and the things that I might like, but there was no experience of it for myself. And so I had the knowledge, but I didn't have the experience. So I couldn't really understand what I wanted or what I liked in the space. And (laughs) my first experience happened completely by accident. Actually, I was uh, on vacation and I met this guy on vacation and we just 
hit it off immediately. It just like sparked. And I was still in my previous relationship in which we were open. However, we were not poly. And so there wasn't an agreement about the emotions that were involved with this other person, but the sex was okay. So I got permission from my then partner to have a sexual interaction with this new person. And I knew that this new person was a dom just from his presence on social media. And then also his explicit sharing of that. Um, and in, in our flirtation, he was very dominant. And I was just like, Ooh, this is like so exciting. I like this. Like he would like put it, like grab me, um, like put his hand on the back of my neck aggressively, or just like, like just all these little like looks or like signals that just like made me like, Ooh, like, Ooh, this is so exciting. And, um, when we finally got to have our first so that kind of flirtation went on for a couple of days on vacation. And then we finally had an opportunity to um, have a sexual interaction and have a scene. And it blew my fucking mind. It blew my mind. I got flogged for the first time. I got completely into subspace for on my first time because I was just like so open to the experience and just wanted to fucking go for it. And I trusted this person, um, just from other interactions we had had, I was like, okay, I know you're experienced. I know I can trust you. I'm just going to fucking go for it and let it rip. And I had some of the best sex I've ever had in my entire life in that first scene. And I was like, this is, this is for me. I was like, this is fucking for me. Like, oh my God. Yes. I haven't really met anyone that it's not for, <laughs> you know? And if someone says, yeah, 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 not for me. I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, I do, <laughs> but I'm like, we just haven't figured out your right configuration, your right language, your right context, your right scene, all of that. And it's like, we figure those things out that are maybe unique to you and yeah you'll be a puddle yeah. as well. And so what's, mm -hmm. what's probably interesting, like the sex itself, the physical act of sex, was it anything really truly different to other types of sex that you've had? Not the other, oh, not no. the flogging, not the, the other things, but the sex itself. No, no. The actual intercourse was fucking normal, normal. sex. It's normal. like normal, normal doggy style, normal Mission riding on top. Yeah. Like it's fucking normal. It's normal. normal sex. It's the everything around that, the power exchange, the surrender, the just uh, the words, the communication that's happening, the continuous checking in and confirmation and the safety of it, the ability to, and like having a pre-scene negotiation, having aftercare built in, knowing that at any moment, if I feel uncomfortable or unsafe, I can just say a single word and everything will stop and I will be taken care of. Having all of those aspects around it while this other person just told me what to do, it was, that is what made it yeah. what it was not the intercourse itself not the sex itself his penis is fine like it wasn't anything special <laughs> like it wasn't that it it, it was the energy of yeah. the interaction and all of the safety around yeah. it and the ability i think to be that dropped into your body so present in my body in a way that was unreal for a person who dissociated a lot in my experience because of my eating disorder because of my trauma 
my body has felt like an unsafe place. And to be in sex and be so present in my body in a safe way was fucking life-changing for me in that experience. So good. And you know, you've heard my story too. And for those of you who want to hear my story, go to episode two. I mean, with regards to my BDSM experience where I just, I don't know if you had a moment that was similar, but I had several moments actually, but it was more like a, I'm in it. And like kind of a zoom out would happen every now and then where I'd go, holy fucking shit. What am I doing right now? Who am I? And I'd like, look at myself from like above and be like, damn girl, like you are in it. And, yes. and just be like, wow, cheerleader in this moment. Like, I didn't know I could do this. I think for me, those moments happened later on yeah. in my dynamic with him as it evolved because our sex got weird. It got fucking like, oh, like all the way out there. And I was just like, all right, like, this is what I like. I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did have that pretty early on and, and, um, my very particular, the relationship that I talk about a lot, um, was more traditional BDSM type stuff. Mm -hmm. We weren't in a relationship long enough for it to get fully like weird out there, which I want to hear <laughs> about weird out there. Um, so let's talk about weird out there, but really just that relationship um, in general, how did it progress from there? What were the things that, that you learned about yourself, um, toys, mm -hmm. tools, concepts that you learned along the way? So when I got back from vacation, I, I was like abruptly shunted back into the real world of reality from this like la la DS fairyland that I was in on vacation of like, Oh my God, I'm in love with this person. Oh my God. Like this is everything I want in a man, this dominant, intelligent, charismatic, person. I was like, Oh my God, this is what I want in a partner. And so when I went back home to my actual partner, I was so disillusioned and heartbroken with the reality that this person that I was with was not the match for me and then had to like navigate a breakup because I had realized that this person as wonderful as he was, we were not going to work. And that was heartbreaking for both of us. And it was really challenging. And then as we navigated through that breakup and I exited the relationship, my relationship to this other person that I had my first DS experience with then ramped up and he ended up collaring me. So I became his submissive and he became my dominant, my daddy. And in the evolution of that relationship, I learned more about myself in relationship and in sex than in like a six month time frame than any personal development course I have ever done in my entire life. It was just like the most fucking rapid advanced course crash course into, um, here are all of your issues and how they show up in relationship and fucking figure it out because now you're in this like super high stakes container that is very intense because he was, he also had a, had another partner. And so. another primary partner. Another primary partner. Yeah. Lots of things. So much going on. So, so much things. going on. So many things. So you, so tools and concepts and all of that. So you said 
I was collared, a collared sub. So for someone who mm-hmm. doesn't know what that means, what does it mean? It means that I entered into a commitment with him where I would not have any other dom. So I would be his submissive. He technically owned me. I do that with like air quotes. Um, and it sounds really, really heavy. What it ultimately meant is that I like committing to any other relationship. I was in that collaring, in that ownership, saying and signaling to any other sexual partner, this is my primary sexual relationship. And all any other play that I do, any other sexual interaction that I have will be governed by the rules that I have in this relationship to this person. So it's a committed partnership, a supportive partnership in which we are both getting something out of the relationship. And then um, it governs in some ways my interactions and experiences with people outside of that relationship. Sure. Were you the only person that was collared? No, his primary partner was also his collared sub. Okay. And it was just y'all too? It was just us. Yeah. We were the only two. Yeah. Cool. So how was, this was like a whole different subject and conversation of like open relationships and polyamory. Cause now you're infusing mm-hmm. lots of different things because you know, mm-hmm. there, uh, people who have sex with lots of different people, whether that's in a polyamorous container or, um, or a polyamorous relationship, which polyamorous many loves that's involving emotion, that's involving commitments and, and like building intimacy in relationships. Then you have open Mm -hmm. relationships where it's like, we want to fuck around potentially. And Mm -hmm. some people have open relationships that do involve repeat, I was going to say repeat offenders, but some, (laughs) you know, where you're seeing the same person over and over again and some people don't. So there's just a lot going on here. They're not exclusive. It's not automatic that like for some people, the idea of having a third or having sex with other people outside of the primary container is seen as kinky. Mm -hmm. And that can be considered kinky, but that doesn't mean that those people are necessarily kinky in their sex. Yeah. Right. So they, like, there's just differences in what people are getting their rocks off on. So if we're in a relationship and I say, I'm going to sit over here in the corner and watch you have sex with somebody else. And I really, and while you're doing it, I want you to degrade me because I'm really into humiliation Mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm just like painting a picture here. I'm like, I'm getting turned on by all these other things, not just sharing a partner. It's just like, I'm just saying that there's lots of nuances to people's sexualities. And one thing is not exclusive to another thing. So like being in a polyamorous or open relationship is not exclusive to being kinky and vice versa, because you can have a committed monogamous relationship that doesn't involve any other people. So I feel Mm -hmm. like our, our conversation for this show is (laughs) me getting to like, ask you questions and you share a word. And I'm like, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show. So I got to give like a quick rundown. I love it. I think it's so good. I love that you like lay the groundwork in the context because I don't know what you've ta- all that you've talked about already. Right. And it's better to assume minimum knowledge, like maximum intelligence, minimum knowledge sure. on the subject for sure. your listeners, right? Sure. Um, as far as something that I do really want to make sure that I touch on and express about the dynamic that I was in, um, because it has since ended. So the dynamic lasted a few months. It was very, very intense. And it went from something that was a place for me to feel so safe and express myself and discover all of these wonderful kinks about myself into a space that I realized was a 
cover up for each of us, I say me and him, to play out these relationship, wounded relationship dynamics. So I take total responsibility and ownership for the fact that I allowed my submission to be a space where my people-pleasing showed up, where my codependency showed up, where my like wounded empath showed up. And I just wanted to be liked. And I just wanted to like make this person happy. And submission was such an easy way to like get that because, oh, you just check the boxes and then the person likes you and you get pats on the head and good girl and reward. Right. So it was this really, um, wonderful place where like I could kind of sneak in and hide all of these little insecurities and people pleasing tendencies and get those like met in a really sneaky way. And then also in that dynamic, he was able to get his ego fed. He was able to like have this space where he could play out his own wounded masculine dominance, ego-driven, egotistical like desires to have someone praise him and just be in awe of him and get that fed. And so it was this, and also his own codependency. And so it was this like beautiful expression in so many ways, because each of us got to like become a part of ourselves in the sex of it. And then in the relationship aspect of it, it was just, it started to get really convoluted. And there was deceit and things that were happening that I was like, co-creating with him that ended up ultimately just completely ruining the relationship. And it ended in just like so much suffering for everyone involved and a a lot of pain, which is really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's real. And so people who are, are listening, it's, it's really interesting. Like the, the topic of, Oh, an open relationship and then they have sex with somebody else and then something that leads to X, Y, Z. And then the relationship ends. Oh, see open relationships don't work. Or here's a BDSM relationship and there's a convoluted situation that unfolds and there's, you know, deceit and wounding and this, that, and the other C those are dangerous and they don't work. Let me just tell you something fucking straight up. Regular old relationships have all this fucked up shit in it. So 100%. I don't, anybody who's like, see, and this is a risk and being in relationship and then especially involving sex is a risky situation. A hundred percent of the time. Relating to human beings is a yes. risky fucking situation yes, because is. every person. Yeah. And sex yeah. is inherently risky. Yeah. There's so much that could potentially happen. So And I don't use like blanket, like a hundred percent of the time or it's absolute or whatever. This is one of those times where I'm going to go. It is a risky situation because there's so many unknowns or possibilities that can shake out. And so, um, I, what I love is that you were able to go into this space and you were able to be held by community while you were doing it. So you had people to process with and you were, you could see it at, at a certain point in time, you could see what was happening while it was happening in front of you and you were able to interact with it. And no, I would imagine that at some point this will have an end date. Like this isn't really all that healthy. And I'm also still getting a lot of needs and and parts of myself fed and tended to. And so at some point this has an end and that is inherently that's grief, right? Or, or, um, grief is not grief. It's, um, like gratitude and joy. 
like how you can yeah. cry. And I think our friend Adi has talked about this, um, is that you can be so grateful and so filled with so much beautiful emotion and joy and cry. Why? Because in the joy and in the tears is the recognition that there will be an end. Yeah. And so it's so much emotion. And I also just want to put out there that you will stay in the relationship until you are ready to leave. Whatever relationship that you're in, even if it's fucked up, even if it's hurting you, even if you're taking on this like victim, why me, this poor me, this sucks, blah, 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 manipulation, abuse, all of it, blanket statement, you're a human being with will. And I also recognize that there are extreme cases of this, that I'm not talking about the outliers of this, but I'm talking about if you're in a relationship that it, that you say is toxic or it's negative or it's, you know, whatever it is, you're getting something out of it until you decide that it's complete for you. And it do, it's not wrong. It's not bad. And so I could see towards the end of that relationship, there were a lot of things that were bubbling up to the surface where I was like, Oh, this is like, this is not good. This is a lot of things that are just, just a little bit too wonky, probably going to end badly. And I was still learning. I was still getting a lot of personal development and growth. And a lot of my... I'm going to say this too. I was enjoying the pain and the suffering of the relationship as well. And until I was complete with that, I was going to stay until that was totally complete. Um, And I think it's important to point out the enjoyment of the pain and suffering because there, there's always a part of our subconscious that wants the bad, quote unquote, bad emotions in life. Like we want to experience all of it. We want the range. And so when we say that we don't like something because it's painful or we don't want to suffer or we um, are resenting a situation that's seemingly causing harm in our life, who the fuck do you think created that situation? You did. You're the source of that. So um, like, why not at least own that and say, okay, I like this thing that I've created. I've created this fun little game of I get rejected. I've played this fun little (laughs) game of I get not chosen. I'm playing this fun little game of I cry because I want this thing so badly and I don't have it. And oh, it's so hot and so sexy to like not get the thing that I want. And oh, why me? Poor me, baby, helpless victim. Like, why would you not just like play into that? Yeah. Notice that you've done it yourself and there's something you enjoy powerful and enjoyable about that. Right. Right. So like, I recognize that I'm the victim and now I'm going to like, Ooh, <laughs> look at me. I'm the victim. I'm going to like yes. be as victimy as I possibly can. Look at me. I'm a damsel yes. in distress. Woe is me. Oh, blamey, <laughs> shamey. Look at me. Just like blaming everyone else for my problems <laughs> except for me. It's so fun. Yeah. Oh my God. That is the best. And mm-hmm. I mean, humans are really interesting creatures. Yes. Like, and predictable. It's, we're fucked up and all over the place and so predictable. <laughs> I yes. think at the same time. So, so you recognize well, the predictability, the predictability comes from the fact that we all fucking want the same exact thing. Yeah. yeah. We all just want to be loved. We all just want to be safe. And we also simultaneously want to be unsafe at the same time. So it's right. this like push pull conflicting desire between freedom and safety and 
that just plays out the same way for everyone. Yes, exactly. Um, so you went through this relationship, you realized there were some things that were not so good. Uh, inquiring minds want to know now, since, since that container has closed and that relationship is done, what would you say are some of the red flags that you are paying attention to when it comes to moving forward, knowing you're interested in kink, knowing you're interested in playing with doms, knowing, knowing the depths of your submission and what is required in order for you to go there and all of that and trust, like, how do you trust? What are some of the red flag type things that you're looking for now? Um, one of the biggest pieces is, will he let you talk to his past subs and past partners? That is the greatest indicator of whether or not a dom is a good dom or not is if he has maintained respectful relationships with the people that he's been in play with. Um, so that's number one is like, can I speak to a person that you've played with? Can I speak to a previous sub or a previous partner that you have? And I would, I would like to talk to them and hear how their experience was. And that's not unrealistic to ask for. Which is so counter and so opposite to like regular heteronormative vanilla type relationships where it's like, oh, I'm getting into a relationship with that person. And the idea that I could even talk to their ex is like, no, like this is so different. When you go and interview for a job, you have to provide references for that job. So like if a dude out there wants the position of being my dom or my partner, please provide me with references, sir. And we will, I will consult with your references and then I'll get back to you in a week and I'll let you know <laughs> if you got the job or not. <laughs> like, obviously. I find it all very entertaining. Another one is if you are a newer sub and you express that to the dom, if he responds with like so much eagerness and excitement and like, Ooh, yeah. like he wants to like sink his claws into you because he loves, he only loves to help new subs. That's like huge fucking red flag because a good Dom will see a new sub and be like, Ooh, we have a lot of work to do before you can understand what this relationship really means and is not eager to immediately jump into things with a brand new sub because, um, there is such a thing as sub frenzy. There is such a thing as like when and and sub drop, like when you get into the space of like the intoxication with submission and the, the how good it feels to like give up your power to someone. That's a really, really intense place to be. And when it's there, it's amazing. And when it's not there, it's like really hard. And so mm-hmm there's this like kind of addictive pattern that can occur. And if you are not aware of yourself in that, and if the Dom knows that about new subs and doesn't warn you about it and doesn't take you through kind of a really slow initiation process into the space, they're probably going to take advantage of that fact that you want them all the time. And that's a very ego feeding feeling for a human being to be like just craved and desired by another human being. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I pointed out again, it happens in regular old relationships too. Yes, totally does. This is a different flavor. This is just a different flavor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess other things to look for other red flags would just be like, if he's trying to use titles right away, like he's trying to get you 
to call him daddy right off the bat or sir right off the bat, or he's like demanding that you do tasks for him because you have to, and you have to give him your submission and all of this stuff. And he's just very straight up, like asshole demanding, like very aggressive right off the bat. Huge red flag. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're um, speaking in like a, if the person is a female looking for a male dom and, and that's, that's been your experience up to this point. And this is, you're saying, I'm just pointing out that this is for all types of people and all types of configurations, choose which side of that you Mm -hmm. resonate with more because we might have some dominant female characters that are listening to this. So pay attention to what she's saying from the other side of this and vice versa, all types of people. Um, Because this, yeah, this, what you are saying is relevant and can translate into a lot of different kinds of containers. And you're speaking more Mm -hmm. traditionally dom sub and not necessarily like a specific kind of kinky sex. Mm -hmm. So Totally. I'm speaking specifically about power exchange in relationships. And if you're entering into any relationship, there is power exchange, whether you make it explicit or not, there is power exchange. And so I, I like DS containers because it makes these concepts of like, I'm going, I'm going to let you have control now and I'm choosing to let you have control for this amount of time, it just makes it explicit and clear. And so there's not a wondering or guessing about what's expected and what's allowed in that. There's a lot of safety created in the explicit nature of those. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, what has been the, what is either the short list or the specific experience that has just like kind of blown your mind the most since you've been uh, going on this path and going on this journey. And then I would love to round out our talk by talking about how you have taken this into dating. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the experience that (laughs) blew my mind the most, and it's so funny to say this because, um, I identify as a submissive. The experience that blew my mind the most was actually an experience where I was topping in which I was a dom. And in that experience, I was top to a female bottom. And so it was, it was after all of the stuff had like blown up with my dom, I was alone, I hadn't had any kinky play. And I was feeling I was really questioning um, you know, is this BDSM stuff for me? Like, uh, like what's my place in this? Cause there was so much like deception and, and like, like just sh- this dark stuff that happened in that relationship that I was like, well, is all of that fake? Like, is all of this a, like a tool for people to hurt each other? And like, it's bad. And so I wasn't sure where I was going to land in the ways that I had wrapped up my identity with kink and BDSM and my sexuality. And so I had an opportunity to play with this woman and take on the role of Dom in that space. And I, it blew my mind because I got to feel what it feels like to be called daddy, the responsibility of that, and the opportunity to create a space for someone that is what I wanted 
so desperately in a BDSM scene in a container. And to be able to know that I can be at the source of creating that. And also it was super fucking hot. And like, I am a wizard at sex and like see myself in that space of, okay, I can create whatever it is that I want. I can reclaim this space for myself. I can be daddy. I can take care of someone else. And also now I can fully appreciate what it means to be in submission to someone else because I'm on the other side and I see what that responsibility is like. It felt like a reclamation for me in that moment of like, fuck yeah, like this is mine. Like I am allowed here. I can have whatever I want here. And um, it was just, it was incredible for me to have that. And the, and the, the special note to self that your sexuality and your unique, beautiful, bold expression is not dependent on and tied to this other person creating this thing for you. Exactly. Exactly. It was, um, it was mine. I, I got to have it for myself and not, yeah, exactly. Like what you said, it wasn't dependent on anyone else to generate that for me. It was like, okay, I can I can fucking go out and get whatever it is that I want. And that felt so powerful for me. I love that so much. And that is definitely a a difference in, you know, being with someone and seeing that, oh, there's some, there's some like actual darkness going on here. And it is an ego driven thing. And, uh, you know, for, for a dominant character to be leading their submissive on a journey and all of the decisions are made from an egoic place. Like I'm going to tell you to do this thing. And because sure, you're going to like it, but really I'm going to get fed more than anything versus Mm -hmm. I'm the dominant force and I'm anticipating everything that you truly desire. And I've matched so well with my submissive and I'm so attentive and paying so much attention that I'm anticipating every single thing that they could potentially want to have in their experience. And I'm going to hold the space for that. And I'm going to get off as a byproduct, not I'm going to get off first and foremost, and I'm going to do all this fucked up shit because look at me go. Yes, exactly. I kind of blacked out describing that. I was hoping that that would land. I think that it did. Y'all can tell me if it didn't. A thousand percent. That totally landed for me. And it was, it really was the difference that I didn't realize because this is, this was my first DS experience was with this other person. And I didn't know what it felt like to be in a DS space with someone who was coming from that ego driven place, because it seems on the surface, like they're trying to give me everything that I want, but ultimately it's coming from that space of self-serving ego. And then to be on the other side of it, where I am such a giver and to be like, Oh, actually it's supposed to feel like this for the Dom. It's supposed to be this like anticipation, this like just in tune and feeling the energy of like what happens next, what gets to happen next based on how can I serve this person that's in front of me and create this experience for them. That is a completely different energy that comes to the space. So (sighs) I love this shit so much. It is my favorite subject. My favorite subject to talk about. Um, So how the hell do you date knowing these things about yourself? How do you date? Where do you find other kinky fuckers to interact with? And, you know, I've spoken on this show before, specifically with Bryn. We, We did a show where she talked about her first threesome recently and how she connected with the people on field. And the, a, a small portion of our, you know, topic or our conversation was 
how do you lead with sex without having people immediately go to a sexual place with you? So like if you want to mm-hmm. date other kinky people, so how do you be upfront with your sexuality and it's not an invitation for people to get sexual with you or be sexual with you? I think everyone's kinky. Yeah. So like I. I think I <laughs> so so that for me is like I, I think that everyone's kinky. And so I'm not shutting myself off to the possibility of a person presenting themselves to me that ticks every box and then for some reason somehow they just like aren't kinky. No. That, that's just not how it's going to be. I've got, um, I've, I have a Jordan who, you know, he's like a Labrador retriever, pit bull mix, like in human form. And I'm like, I'm, yes. he's just a puzzle. At some point, the pieces are going to fit together. I'm going to go, oh, that's the thing that's been under the surface. Up until now, though, it's very just like, oh, sure, I'll try that. Oh, sure, I'll try that. You know, like for yeah. him, he's he's got his moves. He likes his sex. And he he's more like i just want it several times a day every day like that's just the place he's got great height he's got great testosterone levels you know he goes six to midnight frequently throughout the day i could literally be a fully clothed human that's just talking to him and he will go i am so turned on right now i'm like i don't understand so and when i look at it i'm like there's some other fucked up delicious shit that's happening in there that we just haven't we just haven't we haven't gotten close to it yet Totally. So I think for me, I don't, I, when I'm dating, I date like a vanilla person. I think, um, I date to find this connection. Um, I am not on any dating apps right now because I have been in such a state of nourishing myself. And since that relationship ended a couple months ago with my Dom, I was like, okay, how can I pour so much into myself so that in the next DS setup or in the next relationship that I enter, I am so full that I don't find myself in another codependent space or in a space where there feels like something's missing that I need to like fill in another person. So I personally haven't been on dating apps recently. And the moment that I, like about a few weeks ago, decided, okay, I'm ready to create a clearing for people to show up. And as they show up, it'll be great. And I'm just excited to see what's there because I'm not attached to whatever happens. That energy and just being in spaces with my friends has started to call in people that I'm finding really fun and really exciting. So the way that I do dating is just... I make space energetically for a person. I hold a really high standard for what I'm going to allow into my space long-term. And I really fucking take care of myself. Um, And then how the conversation evolves from there is like, we're eating dinner. And I'm like, so I got a butt plug in right now. What do you think about that? (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> they dropped their fork. What? <laughs> I can't see any situation in which wrong. that's a bad thing. Yeah, for a, for a person that I've already connected with a little bit. I feel like I would just go. Is there an app? Does oh. it vibrate? And can I have control of it? <laughs> Here is the remote. You send again. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think as far as like long-term partnership goes or sexual compatibility goes, I can sense whether or not someone will be 
able to hold Dom space, um, which is ultimately like my number one kink is power exchange. So I, that's the only thing that like eventually as the relationship develops that I'm, that is like a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. Well, I'll hold that vision for you. (laughs) Also just the way that you've been showing up, living your life. You don't need to do the dating apps or, or like try or do the dating thing. I definitely see it just being magnetized and floating into your space. Like, Oh, hi, Hannah. Here's a new experience. Oh, hi, Hannah. How about this one? Hey, would you like to try this thing? You know, it's, it's just the Which uni- flavor of yeah. ice cream. Would you like to yeah, the, the universe is laying out the kinky smorgasbord before you. And I know that whoever the, the next long-term person that's going to wind up in your space is um, going to be a really stand-up individual, whether that, whatever the gender is of the person or what you wind up, how you wind up expressing yourself. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm happy that I get to be a bit of, not really a fly on the wall. That's not an accurate statement. I like a place where you go, oh, Alexa, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm yes. glad I'm, I'm you're like a semi-participatory voyeur. In this yeah. Space. Like after the fact. So I'm just happy that I'm in the collection of people that, that, gets insert name. I have a story for you. Yes. You get all the stories. You get the best ones. So this is amazing. And I, like I said at the beginning, I love that we were able to have like a real conversation between two friends who are interested in this subject matter. It's real, you know, not, Mm -hmm. there's not everything that you just shared is because you are a professional educator in this space with regards to like teaching BDSM or power exchange dynamics and all of that. Like that's, you are a real life person who's navigating this aspect of who you are and has been able to go, Oh, cherry pick this powerful, impactful thing. And then, and now you're sprinkling that in and introducing some of these concepts to the clients that you work with, not you know, and, and it's in this really organic unfolding that's happening for you. So I'm just, I'm so, I feel so fortunate and grateful that we were able to have this conversation where it's like, this is what real life looked like. There was ups and there were downs, certainly peak high moments and low moments and very colorful, very kinky, a little holy shit. And And like the fact that you just show up and you have the awareness and the language and the work that you do where you're able to articulate and communicate it. It's not that Mm -hmm. you have the right way or the wrong way figured out telling people it's like, this is just what unfolded for me. And you can take what you like and run with it. You can double click and zoom in on the things that you really might've also been interested in. And I know that you with your audience and, and how you show up online, you're available for this. Yes, totally. I want and invite anyone who is listening, you who is listening, if you are interested in anything that I shared and you just want more information or you're triggered by something that I said and you want to go into it more deeply with me and you just want to have a fucking conversation with me, find me online because I love talking about this and I want to have my experience be something that's useful for other people always. That's the point for me. Yes, yes, and yes. (sighs) <sighs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Hannah, kinky raccoon, Dindorfer. <laughs> You're welcome. Kinky unicorn raccoon. Yes, exactly. So if you want to really just add to it, throw in fairy and maybe also mermaid. Let's get all the magical creatures in there. Exactly. Yes. 
So last thing that you would like to leave our listeners with a little tidbit, a little something, something. Hmm. Follow your curiosity. It's the, your future successful self is whispering to you, come this way, try something new. There's something over here for you to look at and pay attention. Listen, like that is where some of the most exciting, juicy, wonderful, life-changing experiences live. It's like on the other side of something that you're curious about. And I think that's the most sacred practice that I've been experiencing lately. So good. So, so good. Thank you, Hannah. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.